Welcome to the Save by Mother Earth podcast, where we talk about increasing self-connection through spirituality and nature immersion. I'm your host, Heather Webster, and I am so happy that you're here today. Before I introduce our speaker today, I just wanted to share that I will be releasing a new course soon where we will dive into how to increase our connection with ourself, nature, and spirituality. I'm going to be teaching some of the key pieces that I use every day when I get outside in nature and also will provide you with opportunities for us to come together to talk about practice and how to integrate it into your life. If you're interested in learning more about this course or joining me on any of the other venues where I do practice, feel free to click the link in the show notes and come connect with me either through Instagram, Facebook, my website, or any of the other platforms. Now, Without further ado, I want to share about the person interviewed on the podcast today. Barbara Cook is an amazing woman from Australia. She's trained originally as a primary teacher and taught dance, dance therapy, and dance choreography to children and adults in private, therapeutic, and community settings. Now she's on her ongoing journey of personal and spiritual growth for her need to live an authentic life. This has led her through a path where she has become an author. She practices and teaches on mindfulness meditation, Reiki, soul-focused psychotherapy, and soul journey workshops. She's also a writer who writes for a blog, a newsletter, and has a book that recently came out titled Good Choice, A Soul Story. I was able to get my hands on the first chapter and I am hooked and can't wait to read the rest of it. So without further ado, here is the interview with Barb. Welcome Barb to the Save by Mother Earth podcast. How are you today? Thank you very much. I'm really well, thank you. I've had to get up nice and early in the morning because it's 7.30 here, uh, but I'm really pleased to be here and joining you and your listeners. Yeah, so are you in Australia? Yep, in Australia. I live in a place called Geelong, which is uh, south in near Melbourne in Australia. Wow. So yeah, you're on the other side of the world. Yep, yep. And our temperature today is about uh, 19 degrees centigrade, which is about 66 degrees your temperature. Okay, so yeah, I'm around 55 where I am because I'm up in I'm up in elevation right now. So but you're in the fall, right? And I that's but, right. Spring. Yeah. yeah, that's right. We call it autumn here. Okay. I, I love that. I love that uh, American term for it, fall. It's just such a good uh, symbol of what happens in, in the fall. Yeah, we get, it's so nice, especially if you live near where leaves are changing and then they all fall off the trees. Yeah. It makes sense for sure. Yeah. So can you share a little bit about your story of self-connection and kind of how it relates to spirituality or nature? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, look, I'd love to share um, my story of almost like a, I guess like an autobiography, but I wonder if you, you're willing for me to go into a place that you might not often hear, uh, like telling you it from my soul's point of view. 
I would love that. that. Love it. Okay. So I guess this perspective I'm now sitting in where I'm able to tell my story from my soul's point of view uh, didn't happen like immediately. I guess from about about 30 years ago, I had quite a mystical experience and that just changed my whole view of what I'm doing here and this the physicality of this world and how it's not really about that. Um, and also around 30 years ago, this all this writing started coming through me um, in response to um, a big crisis in my life. So I'd had a marriage breakup, but this all of a sudden all this writing was coming through me and it was like, oh my gosh, there was a way of seeing, it wasn't the thinking mind doing it, but it was a way of seeing and uncovering the patterns that had happened and how this had led to that and sort of gave me um, a soul's perspective. So knowing that that's happened, it hasn't always been there. I'd like to start my story. So are you ready? Here we go. So I started life as a spark of soul, of the spark of the divinity, really. And it was a divine spark that just sort of broke off. And it's like you and all your listeners uh, who are just a part of the divine and you're that spirit and we are that we've always been that um, always will be that so it's not something that just suddenly happened uh, but somehow or another I'm going along there just fine becoming I was vast and formless and endlessly creative and the purest form of love but then somewhere in there there was some sort of a pull towards further evolution and for that well I'd need a soul so like lots of people in the world have lots of discussions about what the soul is and how it relates to spirit I'm just going on my uh, personal feeling about it that soul is like an individual expression of that eternal spirit it's like oh a whole bundle of history or vibrational fields that are sort of there ready to go and ready to have a physical experience and the physical physical experience is there for me to um, evolve in a way so that those vibrations get to pass through me the physicality they get to be transmuted into a different form and I kind of I don't know do my little bit towards the evolution of the energies in the world so there I am right got the soul and then somehow or another soul becomes integrated into physical form and I get to be born this beautiful baby girl shining out love and joy as we all do as little babies. Uh, So then followed the period of um, the physical life born into a family and uh, families are never perfect obviously but this family had evolved oh my gosh my mum and dad had evolved so much from their parents when I look at the generational patterns that happened um, they certainly there must have been a, a long a big pull for growth with them as well and they had definitely changed some patterns big time we ain't we ain't doing that again so, so kind was, of changing patterns from their past yeah yeah I feel like that yeah when I think about it I think oh my gosh my mum if she would if she was one of those people who just repeated the same patterns, I would have had a very different upbringing. But there was just something in my mum in particular, my dad as well, that went, no, we're going to change that. We're going to 
do things differently. So there was a lot of love there, a lot of love, a lot of valuing of me as a little girl and each one of my siblings, a lot of creativity uh, in there. So that was already a given, that was already in the field in which I was born into. Mm, that's because yeah. so many times creativity is kind of worked out of children as they yeah, yeah I think that happens sort of in the school system a fair bit really but um, I guess my whole family environment dad was always out in the shed making something or other and creating some new little gadget and mum was always the kitchen was always full of sewing fabric and materials and then at the end of the day that'd get sort of pushed off into the corner and then dinner would be made <laughs> so I just had that as a given and whatever I wanted to create and I was always making little books and stories and dolls clothes and things so it was just part of my upbringing yeah so, and yeah. so did you find that were you always did you always feel connected and to spirit and to your soul even as a child and then through your childhood or did you find that you kind of lost that for a little bit and then refound it oh that's a great question perfect question actually because um as a child I grew up with basically no religious upbringing whatsoever my parents just really weren't into it so I guess I was a blank slate in that way uh, but there was some, um, in my childhood, I actually developed an autoimmune disease called alopecia and um, lost all my hair eventually at some stage. And there was something about that, I don't know, from that point, I felt like I related to everybody else in the world. It's not really a bodily form. It was like, mm. I could kind of see their soul. Uh, I related to them as all souls. And like, oh, this physical stuff, yeah, well, you haven't got hair or you have got hair or, you know, you've got a, a funny leg or it, it's like I was walking around in the world relating to souls, which was, uh, when I look back on it, I think that's kind of unusual. And so I guess through childhood, there was that awareness. Um, and there was also parts of childhood where in that era, there were certain like emotional, there's part of our emotional life that wasn't really um, allowed. So like, in, I guess in a perfect world or in today's era, if you were born in today's era, there's lots of um, strategies that parents are taught to help children own their feelings, let those emotions pass through. How good is that? Like, you know, they can be coached in, okay, name the, name the feeling for the child. Um, let the child sit in that, breathe, help her breathe help her sit in nature and let nature receive that and help her tune in to various ways so that she can actually let all of that. If there's anger, you can go and punch on a pillow. If it's sadness, you can just, oh, I'll just hold you while you feel that. That's now. But in back in those days and in that era and with all the intergenerational um, patterns that have been passed down through history, uh, there were certain vibrations that were seen as um, disallowed. So you know, don't get angry, for example, because well, no one can handle that. Gosh, you know, even though I would have seen anger, um, there was a disallowing of that in me. And any sadness, well, gosh, the observer, many observers have 
can't don't really know what to do with that. So there'll be there could be deflection, there could be repression, um, there could be joking it off, um, all sorts of things. So you know, this little soul um, had a wonderful childhood, and and at the same time, there were certain things that were shut down. And it feels to me as if the, the ego that develops or the sense of identity that's got that whole package of who you are, you're, I'm shy, I'm, I'm um, confident, I'm this or that, it, the ego also develops like this little suit of armour. I like to see it as a little, little person wearing its own little suit of armour. Um, okay, I'm not allowed to feel that. I've got to protect myself from that because that's obviously scary to go into any sort of sadness. So if I feel any of those emotions bubbling up to the surface, well, I'll go, oh, I'll gulp that down, I'll repress it, or I'll, um, oh, I'll get uh, super confident or pretend I'm confident, or I did this really cool thing where I got super good at thinking things through. I don't know whether anybody else can identify with this, but the thinking mind became really organised and really active. It would think through scenarios that weren't even happening. Right. Right. It's and I love this idea of your ego being a suit of armor because it is. It's all about protecting you and living the way that you feel kind of the world wants to see you. So, and like the strength, and like you said, there's always this piece of being what you think is what everybody else says is right and how you deal with your emotions and all of that is it's so powerful to think of it as a suit of armor because it also gives you the okay that you can take it off oh yeah right Uh, you don't your ego control you and you a suit of armor is so rigid right it's so like you can only move in certain ways and it it I think of like back in the day when we used to go to like the medieval towns and stuff like that, where you'd see the, all the things that you have to wear underneath the suit of armor as well, the mesh things. And then like the fact that like it squeaks sometimes and all this idea, I love this image of your ego and your, your physical being, being that suit of armor. That's so powerful. Thank you for sharing it that way. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. And when so, you said the, the rigidity, yeah. I feel like that's that's key to reclaiming our spirit is to recognize any rigidity, any holding, any contraction, and any um, armoring that's been had. And at the same time, really important not to um, disparage that ego, that armoring that it was necessary. It was necessary at that time to get through that those times which were unsafe or overwhelming. And the ego, like, I think there was this song by an Australian band called Ego is Not a Dirty Word. I don't know if you've heard that song, Ego is Not a Dirty Word. And I, I so go along with that. It's like, thank you, ego. Thank you, suit of armour, for, like, doing your best did your best, your dear little sausage, back in that day to to find some way, your best attempt of protection, you know, 
that was awesome. And then now in adult life, when you pop back up and do the same thing, when a trigger occurs, oh, there you are again. You've actually taken me back to that little child. Who and did it helps best. You can't heal it unless you see it again. Yeah. Right. And so, like you said, it's not, it's definitely not a dirty word. And I think in some circles it is. Yeah. And so have you used kind of, as you were talking about kind of, you've, you've come more into spirit and recognizing your ego and all of those pieces. Did nature have any like influence on that? Yeah. Yeah, it did. I think even as a child, there was a pull to nature. And I wasn't one of those children who had a lot of access to trees or forest, I lived in an urban area. But I feel like nature is probably one of the main things that reconnects us to spirit and reminds us. And we get into that peaceful state and we go into a receptive state or sort of a, a yin state rather than the yang of the doing and the busyness and the thinking mind. And if we can settle into that, it's like, oh yes, there you are there. And for me, I think one of the main things I can that really stands out as a child is the night sky. Mm -hmm. And obviously as a child, I wasn't up late very often, but when, when it was summertime in Australia, we get really high temperatures and at night it can be, um, Oh, you know, it can still be like 30 degrees centigrade and you're, you're trying to sleep. And we're inside this little house, just a very basic little house. Back in those days, there was no air conditioning. And I think there was one fan between the whole house. So yeah. there were a few, there were a number of nights where mum and dad let us all drag our mattresses out into the backyard. And so I don't know what happened to the mosquitoes, but we, I think there must have been a mosquito net that we took. Play. And we'd probably play and hoon around and not get a lot of sleep. But at, I do remember that time, those times when I would just lie on my back and just look up at the st stars. And somehow I just became absorbed in that. And it was amazing. And one by one, the other siblings would all drop off to sleep and stop talking. And, and I'd still be there just lost in the night sky. Yeah. Awesome. It reminds me of, we used to do something similar, but we would just set up a tent outside. Mm. Um, but what, how, how amazing to just bring your mattresses outside and sleep under the stars. Yeah. I see some people, as I've started becoming more living the nomad life, I see people doing that more and more where they're either outside without their rain covers on their tents or they're out just literally sleeping in their sleeping bags yeah. on the ground. And it's, it is, there's something so amazing when all the lights are off. And this is so tricky sometimes in cities because you don't get to see the stars, yeah. but getting out into an area where there's no light pollution and just being able to see just how the, the night sky comes to life. Yeah, yeah. And there's, in, I don't know about how, how you feel about the, um, the quality of your attention when you're in nature, I'll be interested to hear from you actually. But for me, um, it's like the, um, the, the thinking mind, or I'll call it the ego mind, gets to just drift away further 
off into the distance for a while. It doesn't become to the forefront. That doesn't become the priority. It's like that gets you just drift away and you just come into a receptive state where you're not trying to quantify anything. You're not trying to name anything, measure anything, list anything, which are all beautiful attributes of the thinking mind. But you actually go into a different kind of mind state where... I do mindfulness. Yeah. I'm a mindful outdoor guide. And that's one of the things we talk about with people is not needing to name it, just be in it. And yesterday I was at the Grand Canyon and this guy was out running for his morning run. It was probably around like seven o'clock in the morning. So he was out running and I said, what a beautiful day to run. And he goes, yeah, it's so hard not to get distracted by, by the Canyon that's right next to it. And I, I yelled after him as he was running away. I said, just get distracted. It's okay. Yeah. Um, because as I was going around the canyon, the canyon itself is amazing, but I was finding myself getting pulled towards all the different trees and animals and textures and sounds and smells. And at one point I was like, you know, what? I want to taste the air. And so I, I, I took, I opened my mouth and breathed it in. I could taste the pine and it was just, I was just like, people need to let themselves get distracted because when they do that, you are so right. There is more focus in that moment. But also it's interesting because a lot of times when you see people walking with children or hiking with children, they want to speed them up a little bit. Yep. Like, let's get to the space we're supposed to get to. And they're like, our kids are so distracted all the time in school and all this other stuff. And if they just, I think, let them when they're in nature be distracted I find after I have those moments where I'm allowing myself to be distracted in nature I'm so much more focused when Mm. I have to do a task I love that yeah absolutely and it's like the the doing the doingness the moving through the the runner or I used to belong to a bushwalking club and We'd go out in these magnificent bushwalks that I'd never seen before. However, you were in a group of like 10 or 20 people and they were all talking. Everyone wanted to have a chat, talk about the kids and what's happening in your life and all that. I'm going, just hang on, can we all just be quiet? Can we all just watch and listen? And like you said, I love that term, tasting the air. I've heard about you talking about this on your Instagram recently. I just love that. It's like all of the senses are involved, aren't they? It's funny because one of the things I talked to somebody else about too is like this idea of anything about nature brings out and we we create our senses in nature. And so if you see kids that are having a hard time with vision and we see it more and more with kids, it's because they're not further than the, the four walls. So their yeah. eyes aren't using those muscles and things like that. And yeah, if you just open your mouth and kind of put your tongue out a little bit and breathe in through your mouth. You can really taste the air. And once you can tap into those, connect, those senses, you become so much more connected to yourself. Oh, wow. I love that. Create our senses in nature. So tell, tell the listeners, I mean, okay. So first of all, listeners, you can't tell, but behind Barb is some amazing gardens. But what do you, so I'm just, I keep getting distracted by those purple flowers because they're so pretty. Um, But what are you doing now? Like what kind of work are you currently doing? 
Okay, so um, now I'm retired. I'm officially retired. So in my life, I've been lucky enough to work in uh, jobs where I was seemed to be soul aligned a lot of the time. Um, I used to work as a, a teacher of dance choreography in a secondary school. Uh, so so dance has always been my passion spark from a very young age. So I was I was lucky to work throughout my life in that. Uh, but since I've retired two years ago, I've moved into this other area that's been really drawing me and that's um, had to be uh, kind of put on hold, I think, for quite a while. Uh, but it's really more uh, soul connection. So I now uh, teach mindfulness meditation. I also offer people like one-on-one -on -one sessions if they want to have a little like a made-to-measure meditation they can ring me up on Zoom and uh, we can just have a brief talk about what, what's going on. And then I'll just intuitively deliver a made to measure meditation, which they record and they can use. Um, I also do uh, soul focused psychotherapy. So it's a type of psychotherapy that's been uh, devised by my spiritual teacher here in Geelong. And it's now a worldwide thing. And um, it's a way of going, it, it, again, it's like the soul gets to speak. The soul gets to uncover these things that have been blocking its full expression. It's like an uncovering of the armour, just very, very gently at a person's own uh, rate, the level that they're ready to explore, or it might be exploring beliefs and things that have been um, holding you back from your true self and just becoming more free in the world by unblocking these things that have been triggered by uh, various things in life. So there's that. Um, I also offer workshops in finding your soul story. So again, um, a, a little thing where you can even just start having that awareness or witnessing what are those things when you look back in your life, what are those things that you connected to your passion? What are those things where you connected with nature and allowed you to to sit in that space that's so aligned with your soul or that is soul and spirit. And um, what are those little incidences, those little mystical experiences you had? We've all been having them. We've all had a, this mythical life that's being created around the patterns that we've, we've come in with, that we've been drawn to come in and explore and evolve with. Um, so, yeah, there's all of that. And what else do I do? Oh, I, I just have a beautiful time um, having leisure time to go down the beach and swim nearly every day because I live about 10 minutes away from the beach. Oh, spending time with family and, and grandchildren and, oh, just the best life. Just wait till you retire. Oh, it's great. I kind of am retired, except for I'm starting a business. So it's kind of, it's, I tell you, it's so many people wait till they're retired to love their life. Mm. And you definitely sound like you're living your best life now, which is amazing. All right. Do you have a couple tips for the listeners of things they can do to kind of tap into some of that mindfulness so they can start to live their best life now? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the tips that, that you give on your um, live feeds and things are, are just awesome. So I'd probably reiterate a couple of those is really right. just reg regularly align with soul. And that, that can be sitting in nature and being coached by somebody if you need or um, just sitting outside in your garden if you don't have time to go and um, be in wilderness. 
um, just to be sitting in your, in your garden and just absorbing, just getting into that feeling of absorbing and aligning with soul by, I, I can't say strongly enough to uh, do mindfulness meditation. Find a teacher in your area or somebody online that you feel um, a connection with and just learn about mindfulness meditation and how to do that. Because I think that sort of leads on to the second tip I'd give, which is to develop the witness. The witness is so important because up until a certain point, I was just going along in life, almost being, I felt like I was being thrown around by life. I'd go along on an even keel for a while and then something would happen or somebody would say something and then I'd be knocked sideways and I'd feel, oh no, I'm, I'm in despair now. Or, they don't like me. Or, and then I'd get back onto an even keel. And I thought I was, I thought I was all of that. I thought I was that sadness or that trauma or that chaos. And it wasn't until I started, started doing mindfulness meditation and also when I met my spiritual teacher about six years ago and he introduced this idea of, oh, it was like revolutionary. I, I'm not that. I'm something beyond that. And that is just a vibration that I happen to be sitting in at the moment, happen to be exploring that, um, say, that unworthiness feeling. Um, I'm not that. I'm exploring it. I'm letting it pass through. But I can become a witness to it. And it doesn't happen overnight, this becoming the witness, but it definitely happens when you're um, doing mindfulness meditation. And it's a, the training is that each time the thinking mind comes in and you notice a thought, you then go, oh, there's a thought. Oh, thank you. Not required. Bring my attention back to whatever the practice is. So that witness becomes part of my life then. And I start to um, experience things and I can start to feel something bubbling up and I can witness that and go, oh, there's that thing. I don't have to become that. I can start to notice it. Um, yeah, so becoming the witness, a lot, regularly aligning with nature and aligning with people who are like-minded and who are on the same kind of path. Yes. Um, and probably also the main, the other, that's a third thing you said two, but I'm going to give you three, is attend to the triggers. I, I, I presume most of your listeners will understand what I mean by the trigger, but it would be something in my life which comes up and all of a sudden I'm, I'm in a state which is uh, it's just like bringing back to that original childhood state of something that's brought up some sort of a feeling or an emotion and I'm, I'm starting to react. I might be getting a bit angry or a bit snarky with somebody or a bit um, desolate or something. And all of a sudden I'm going, oh, look at that. So attending to the triggers, sitting with it, letting that pass through or, or getting help from somebody if, you, if you're a bit stuck in it and you can't seem to move through. Those triggers are so important. Yeah. Oh, Barb, those tips are so amazing because I love how they also work off each other, right? The mindfulness gets you to be your witness, right? Mm. You can't be a witness if you're not completely connected through mindfulness and then attending those triggers is really able once you witness what's happening you can attend to it mm. 
whether it's a trigger for happiness or a trigger for like a sadness or yeah. anger, right? Like being able to attend to it and say, why am I feeling like this? Is it controlling me? Is it telling me that I have to be this way when I know I don't need to? Or mm. oh, those tips, so, so powerful. Oh my goodness. So this has been amazing. Where can my the listeners find you? I know you're on Instagram, but where else can they find you? And what's your Instagram handle or your website? All of that. Uh, thank you for giving that, that opportunity for connection. I really appreciate that. Um, I'm on Instagram as Barbara Cook Author. Um, I'm on Facebook as Barbara Cook Author Reawakening Your Essence. And I just add the word author to my name so that people can pick me out from the other Barbara Cooks. Um, I'm also recently been started writing on uh, Medium, which is a, a blogging platform. And there's like thousands of blogs there. If people want to curate their own reading experience, oh my goodness. Um, so it's just medium.com and you can search for me, Barbara Cook. And I love to write an article a week on just all sorts of things. I've been writing recently on um, reparenting yourself, on the um, coming back into balance with the yin and the yang within. Oh, I'm just having a ball on that. Um, I'll also have a YouTube channel and you might, if you've got kids, you might like to check out one called Your Whole Self. Can't tell you anymore, it's a bit of a secret, but all my students at school, when I taught a new lot of year sevens each year, they'd go, oh, you're on YouTube. I've seen your, <laughs> I go, oh, thank you very much for watching that. Um, now there's also my website, uh, Barbara Cook Author, and my book. So I have a book, it's called Good Choice, A Soul's Story. And uh, it tells the story of um, a soul that goes into the waiting room prior to birth. And it has a consultation with two consultants who are going to help it choose the perfect placement it needs in order to evolve in this lifetime. Do you have your book near you? Can you hold, do you have it yeah, with you? I do, yeah. Good choice, a soul oh, story. Oh, beautiful. Such a beautiful yeah. cover. And so in the second, I, second, sorry, can I just quickly tell you, in the second half of the story, the soul is now a five-year-old child and she somehow finds her way into the magical corner shop where there's a little old lady called Mrs Mills and Mrs Mills helps her find the protective behaviours that are going to help her find her way safely through childhood. And at the very end of the book, she leaves the shop with this little suit of armour on and she says, right, I can handle anything now. And it wasn't until later that I realized I'd, in this book, I was writing about the development of the ego. Yes. Wow. I'm going to put all the links um, to all of the websites. Can you get the book on your website or do you get it through somewhere else? Um, it's on uh, Balboa Press and it's also on Amazon and Barnes and Noble as well. So I'll put a link. Find. I'll put a I'll put a link to the Amazon one for oh, sure. Thank you. That's awesome. And I just want to thank you so much for being on the Save by Mother Earth podcast. This was amazing. Oh, thank you so much. I just so appreciate the quality of your listening. Um, it's often when we talk to people, there's a sense that the person is waiting for their thing to say, but you have a certain quality of your listening that you're able to be so present. So I so appreciate that. And especially as this is my very first podcast interview ever, 
Thank you again, Barb, for being on the Save by Mother Earth podcast. What amazing takeaways. I know I am still thinking about the idea of the ego as the suit of armor, thinking about witnessing and looking at your triggers, really thinking about how we use creativity in our lives and find fun. There's still so much more within this interview that I feel was so powerful to reconnect with and to revisit. So thank you so much for all of that. And for the listeners out there, thank you for tuning in. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and this interview with Barb. If you want to learn more about how you can work with me, feel free to visit the link in the show notes and book a connection call with me. There's a 30-minute free connection call where we can get to know each other and I can share a little bit more about what I do. I also host every Friday Nature Oracle readings on Instagram and once a month I also host an Oracle party um, that is also within that link in the show notes. So I hope to see you in one of those or all of those venues and get to know a little bit more about you and also how you can support your own nature and spiritual connection. Until next time, I sign off with love and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Take care.